Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode number 165. Our Sunday worship service for May 17th, 2020 is Insist on Good. It is the fifth in the series, Pray Like This. When we pray, what do we see? Okay, so our scripture today is Matthew 6, 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, like a lot of these, we've been going through the Lord's Prayer together. And so you know this one. And I think for a lot of people, this is the, oh, I knew it. I knew it. I knew there was a catch. I knew that there was some kind of a, of a gotcha here. There's a proviso, a quid pro quo. There's some kind of issue here fine print. You know what I mean? I think that it's especially true when you come from a quote-unquote progressive, positive uh, Christian tradition where the idea is everything's good and, and there's no bad things and you're just fine just the way you are and everything's great. And depending on where you've been, you hear that enough times and you start going, yeah, but you know, come on now. What's the truth about this? Come on, I know there's got to be some kind of a catch, right? And I think that that's what happens when people get to this part. Here's the juicy part. Here's the catch. Now, I bet you know what I'm going to say. There's no catch. But I can understand where people come from with that. I I get the idea that we're used to looking for bad guys and adversaries and and tricks everywhere we look. Somehow we believe that that makes us wise and mature, but it just kind of makes us tired. I mean, think about it with me this way. You know, because we've talked about it, and you know because you feel it in your heart, that God doesn't change gears. God is as sure as the sunrise. God doesn't flip the script on anybody. It just doesn't work that way. Otherwise, it wouldn't be God, right? That's part of it. But think about also what you know about the way that Jesus lived and the things that Jesus said. Think about those teachings. Think about that life. At no point did Jesus ever say, hold some cards back. At no point did Jesus ever flip the script on anybody. He might have flipped the table over now and again, but that was in the name of authenticity over and over again. The Jesus Christ message is, let your I be single. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. At every single juncture, the Jesus Christ message and the Jesus Christ ministry has to do with being true being single in your vision and in your action. So, of course, there's no no catch. It It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't match up with what we know. And more than that, it doesn't match up with what we feel, right? So this part, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This part says something, but that ain't what it's saying. So we're going to have to look a little bit deeper. We're going to have to look in a little bit of a different place. Now, remember with me, that previously we've talked about the idea that prayer has to do with three things. Remember this? See and speak and surrender. Remember, that's kind of prayer 101. The idea is that prayer starts with what you see. Let your vision be so filled with something that you can't hold back, that you have to say something about it. You see it, you get filled up with it, then you have to take action. Something happens as a result of what you have going on on the inside. And then you've got to let it go, right? That's the process. See, speak, surrender. And we've talked about the idea that every successful prayer has those elements in it. And more than that, every fulfilling life has those elements. Now, we said that several weeks ago, and I 
Hope you've had a chance to work on all three of those steps. But think with me, because each and every one of those steps requires clarity. Each and every one of those steps requires focus. You've got to be of one mind. You've got to be true to yourself and true to your calling and true to the whole thing if it's going to work, right? If it starts with what you see, if your eye isn't single, if you see oh, some good and some bad and some opportunities for growth and some opportunities to find enemies and adversaries and drama, well, if that's what you see, then your experience the things that you get so filled up with is going to be a little bit adulterated, somewhere less than 99, 44, 100% pure, right? You're going to have some problems there. And if what you speak is in that way adulterated, what you experience, what you let go of, what happens in your life is going to be not as good as it could be. So part of what's being said here, this whole part has to do with Jesus saying, thou shalt not miss the point. That's really at the core of this. The idea here is make sure you don't drop the ball because this is important. Make sure you remember to keep your eye single. Make sure you remember to let your yes be yes and your no be no. Make sure you remember to keep it clear, to not get caught up in yourself. That's what's being said there. It's not about having some kind of a bad guy, and it's not about having to watch out because God will get you if you're not paying attention like a, an answered prayer is some kind of weird monkey's paw fable. It doesn't work that way. Now, I know, it, it's convenient to have the idea that, that we're supposed to be looking over our shoulder all the time. It's convenient to have the idea that there's supposed to be a bad guy everywhere. It's convenient to have some people who aren't like us be the bad guys in the situation, some situation over there being different than ours, and that's therefore bad. I get it. It's convenient because it's so easy to not do a thing if I'm so busy blaming somebody. Why isn't your life good? Well, I know that I've got some work to do and growing to do and introspection and I need to be better about loving myself and loving other people. And all of that seems like, I don't know, it seems like work. Wouldn't it be easier if I just said, oh, it's those people over there. It's their fault. It's because I was tricked. I was bamboozled. It's because of these other things that went on. It's their fault. It's convenient. But it's also incredibly unhealthy. It doesn't help anything to be looking for a boogeyman. All it does is rob me of my agency. It takes away my ability to make a difference. And you know what? We're too old for that. It's, it's time to grow up a little bit. It's time to put away childish things. And one of the most childish things you can have is an adversary. It's time to grow up. Now, I recognize that that represents a different way of thinking about things, but every piece of growth that you ever experienced does. And so this idea of lead us not into temptation takes on a little bit of a, of a different flavor right now, doesn't it? I mean, think about this with me. We just got done talking about the idea that God doesn't change, right? We just got done talking about the idea of thy will be done. Remember, God happens to be God. It works out conveniently, the logic of it. But one of the things that that means is you don't get to tell God what to do. That's a big deal. You don't get to tell God what to do. Now think about that with me, because once again, this whole series is kind of prayer 101, right? How many times have you heard somebody pray the prayer of, God, let me tell you how this is going to go? Those prayers don't work. 
because there's a theological disconnect. You don't get to tell God what to do. If you did, it wouldn't be God. It would be some kind of errand boy, and that's not how this works. We're going to get a bigger idea of God if we want to have a bigger experience of God, right? So, again, I'm going to say it one more time. You don't get to tell God what to do. So, Let's look at that line. Lead us not into temptation. It's easy to read it like, God, now don't you trick us. Don't, don't you fool us now. And we've already said that that doesn't match with what we know about God, with what we feel about God and all of that. But even if it did, you don't get to tell God what to do and what not to do. It doesn't work that way. God doesn't change. And God doesn't trick you. And if God is that loving father-mother concept that we talked about at the beginning, our Father who art in heaven, it also means that God's whole business is to love you. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, let's not worry about God leading us into something bad. That's not how this works. And I challenge you to read that part of Scripture a little bit differently. It's not God, now come on. It's more like, God, I know that you don't lead us into temptation. God, I know that you don't lead us into something unhealthy because that's not how you roll, God. I know that that's not you. It's not a statement of command. It's a statement of acknowledgement. It's not a statement of ordering. It's a statement of agreement. God, I know that if there are challenges in my life, you didn't throw me a curveball. Instead, you give me, here's the big thing, you give me what I need in order to fix it. That's the deal. Ask yourself in this moment, if you're writing things down for later reflection, write this down. Where did God lead me? Hmm. That calling you have in your heart to love and finally be free. That calling you have in your heart for a life that just works. That calling you have in your heart to get over it. That's God. God doesn't lead you into temptation. God leads you into growth. That's how you know it's God talking. You know, sometimes people say, how do I know if that voice in me is my ego or that voice in me is really some kind of divine calling? Does it lead you to healthy growth? Does it challenge you in healthy ways? Well, that's a pretty good clue. God doesn't lead you into temptation. But here's what does happen. This is the thing. Every time you grow in one way or another, Life and the universe and everything have a way of asking you if you mean it. Now, this is something that we have talked about a number of times. Sometimes we call it chemicalization because it feels like a chemical reaction when you put in some new good ideas in the mix with some old not-so-good ideas, that kind of thing. But here's how it works in real life. You pray and pray and pray for change. Oh, God, I'm ready for change. We say it every week. I want something to change. And if you pray that way, an effectual prayer, something happens, something changes. And in that moment, when you start to realize that things are different, when people you love and respect go, hey, you've changed. You don't want to talk about that same gossip stuff anymore. You don't want to participate in the same drama. You're different. You pray for change, you get change. But in that moment, when you feel that feedback, you have the power to go, "Uh uh-oh, things are changing. I better go back to the way they were. I don't want to disappoint anybody. I don't want to upset the apple cart. I don't want to turn over any tables, so to speak. There's a temptation there. There's a temptation to go back to the way that things were. 
That's why this happens at this point in the prayer. Once again, the order of this is so brilliant because if you've been praying this, things are changing for you. And at this juncture, you have the power to decide if you want things to be the way they were or if you want you to be different from now on. Lead us not into temptation. God, you lead us into something that's even bigger. And it has to do with not getting caught up in the the outer things. There's a reason why Jesus didn't open a bakery. You know, obviously the bread thing, not a problem for him, but it's also not the point. So part of the lead us not into temptation thing has to do with the idea that when you pray, here's a complicated math, when you pray, stuff happens. But don't get caught up in the stuff happening or you'll miss the point. You'll miss your connection with source. In other words, there were people who hung out with Jesus because they were in it for the loaves and fishes, but they couldn't hang out for very long. Those people couldn't make it all the way. They ended up abandoning it and going back to the day job, so to speak. Why are you in the prayer time? Are you in it because you want the new car? There's nothing wrong with a new car, but that surely can't be your whole identity. That surely can't be the whole point of your life, right? Are you in it for the loaves and fishes, or are you in it for something bigger? God, let my prayer be, I just want to know you. I want to see you working and things will come and go in my life. I'll celebrate them and I'll be grateful for them and I'll remember who I am. That's the prayer. Lead us not into temptation means, God, may I never forget who I am. Because who you are is very special, very powerful, and very important. And overall, who you are is good. Because there's that next line. But deliver us a pizza. I'm just seeing if you're listening. Deliver us from evil. And that's that moment. People go, okay, here we go. How can you talk about the world being good and you being good and God being good? How can you talk about that? But then Jesus uses the E word right there in the prayer. What are you saying? Now, remember, I didn't write any of this. Jesus talked about you being good and the world being good. I didn't make that up. Before Jesus in the book of Genesis, God looks at the earth and looks at you and the whole thing and says good and very good. Over and over again, there's prayers about, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. There's a commandment about having only one power in your life. I could go on, but you've heard it all before and you know it in your heart. So what is that word in there for? There are surely people that go, oh, well, there is no evil, surely. That's a, that's a typo. Somebody wasn't, wasn't taking close enough notes or something like that. So let me be clear about the way that I feel about that, just so you know. Is there such a thing as evil? My answer is, yes, of course there is evil. Watch the news. Yes, of course there is evil. Think about some things that you have experienced in your own life. Yes, of course there is evil. And sometimes I think when people say, oh, there's no such thing as evil, I think what they're trying to really say is everything is fine just the way it is. We don't need to grow and we don't need to change and everything's just fine. And I get the spirit of that. I think sometimes people's hearts are in the right place. But think about that with me. Do you mean to say that I'm not supposed to ever change? Because that's pretty gross. I mean, I want to grow. I want to be more. Are you going to tell me that, that, that nothing ever needs to grow or evolve, that there's never a better way to, to do anything, that the things you see on television, on the news and whatever, that's cool? Because that's not what Jesus did, is it? And in fact, that's not what any hero you ever had did. So we're going to grow up in our understanding and we're going to be able to look at some things and go, you know what, that needs to be fixed. 
because it's the only way that it's ever going to get fixed. And that's what we're here to do. Yes, of course, evil exists, but here's what it's not. Are you ready? Evil is not any kind of opposite to God. Evil is not the, the joker to God's Batman. It doesn't work that way. Like I said before, it's convenient to think in terms of opposites, but it just doesn't hold water. Evil is not an opposite to good, because good is just too big. My God is too big to have some kind of adversary foiling every plot and plan. It doesn't work that way. This isn't a movie. My God is too big to have any kind of a counterpart, an opposite, an exception to the rule. God's rules are absolute. That's just the deal. So yes, there is evil, but evil is not an opposite to good or God. Any more than 2 plus 2 equals 5 is some kind of an opposite to math. That's what we're dealing with here. 2 plus 2 equals 5 isn't the opposite to math. It's just me not doing math right. Get what I'm trying to say? And in fact, here's the interesting part. If I do 2 plus 2 equals 5 and I am really paying attention, I will see that I messed up and I will learn from it. That's the thing. The the solution is baked into the problem. The the salvation is baked into the limitation. There's something amazing when we realize if I'm actually paying attention to the outcomes, the thing that some call evil has the means for its own undoing. I can grow if I'm paying attention. And so, yes, of course, we must face what some call evil in order to fix it. To act like it doesn't exist is to have a really weird checkbook, guys, because there's all kinds of funky math in there. You know what I mean? And it's time to grow up. There's no opposite to God. There's no opposite to good. But what there is is an opportunity to make it better. And that's what we're talking about. That's what's on the table. It's not a big deal. It's a learning opportunity. Now, remember, over and over again throughout this process, we have talked about how amazing it is that the elements in the Lord's Prayer appear in the order in which they appear. There's a system and a flow, and everything is just like clockwork. It's awesome and amazing and, and, and brilliant the way that one line leads to the next, the way that there's a system there. It's incredible to me. And I've been reading the Lord's Prayer all my life, just like you probably have. And every time I read it, I go, wow, this is amazing how beautiful and systematic and smart this thing is. And if everything leads to the other, isn't it interesting that we don't talk about evil until now? I mean, think about it with me. If it was the big deal, if it was the the most important thing, if it was the thing we got to watch out for, if it was the dangerous thing, don't you think it would come first? I mean, really, if I was going to say, okay, guys, we're all going to feed each other and everything's going to be fine. We're going to set up a picnic. But first, there are wild packs of wolves all around. Bad guys. Wouldn't we need to take care of that before we've spread the blankets out? You know what I mean? If it was this big adversary, we would talk about it first. But this is a repercussion, a, a, a possible thing that can happen. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. And in fact, I want to be very careful because... If I walk around labeling things and people and belief systems and stuff I don't agree with as evil, with a capital E, if I give things the label of bad and other and no good, what I'm really doing is saying, I'm not ever going to fix that. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm not going to talk to those people. They're evil, right? 
You know what I mean. Perhaps you've been there. You know what I'm talking about. And the problem with that, among others, is that it short-circuits my ability to ever fix it. It's so easy to just paint everything with that brush and then never interact, never engage, never grow. If God is our Father, the math here has to be, yes, there are things that are evil, and what that means is I did 2 plus 2 equals 5 somewhere, and i got to fix it. But there are no evil people. It doesn't work that way. And we're going to stop using that label to describe actual human beings because God doesn't make evil people. It doesn't work that way. We're going to see them as good. Yeah, people do weird things, but the things can't be fixed until we see them as having potential, right? We talked about this when we talked about forgiving our debtors. And I want to say one more thing about this because there are those people who change the words of the Lord's Prayer. They don't like the word evil, and I get it for all the reasons I've talked about. I don't believe in an other power other than God. My God is too big. All of that. But there are people who go so far as to change the, the actual words, and they don't say evil. They say error. They say it's all just a mistake. And so they say deliver us from error. And you know what? I used to say that, and then I really thought about it, and I thought, you know, it doesn't sit right for me because I don't want to be delivered from my error. I want to make the mistakes I make because I want to learn. I don't want to be like some spoiled kid whose parents say, oh, nothing you do is ever wrong, and it's okay that you colored on the wall and set fire to the dog and the whole thing. It, it's okay. Everything's fine. I'm going to deliver you from your error. I don't want that. Do you? Think about your life. So many times the thing that you learned from the most was you doing it the weird way. Was you making a quote-unquote error? I don't want anybody to deliver me from that. I want to face the things that I did so that I can grow. Error is the mistake that we make. Evil is the result of the mistake. And that's an important distinction. I don't want to be delivered from my mistakes. But I want to remember that when I make them, because we're all here to grow, it's bound to happen and it's okay. When I make mistakes, the thing that happens as a result, the evil, I want to remember that what delivers me from that is not forgetting who I am. What delivers me from that is not labeling it as somehow other than God or other than me. What delivers me from that is remembering who I am. That person that you see on the news that you shake your fist about, they're made out of the same stuff you are. They're not evil. Let's get delivered from that idea so that we can move on together. Look, the basic idea here is that there's God and there's my ideas about God, and there's my experience of God, right? There's God, my ideas about God, my experience of God. We've talked about this trinity when, as it applies to you as an individual before. It also applies to God. And it's possible that you might have a weird idea about God, and I'm not blaming it happens. But if you have a weird idea about God, that God is dysfunctional or an absentee landlord or just doesn't like your face, you're going to have an experience of God that's not so good. It doesn't mean you're right about God. What it means is you need to get a bigger idea about God. And so again, this part of the Lord's Prayer, this part of the prayer process, this part of your life is let's keep our eye on the ball and remember who made us and remember why we're here. Let's not get caught up in anything less than that. Look, it's a wonderful thing to want miracles. I want the new car. I want to pay the bills. I want healing in my body. I want a healing in this relationship. I want 
to just be able to go outside and go to the movies. I want whatever it is that I want. It's okay to want those things. But here's the thing that I need you to know, and this is a big deal because this is the thing that gets in the way of most people experiencing miracles. Big deal. This is the thing that gets in the way of people actually having the healing, having the prosperity demonstration, having a day that works or a life that works. This is the thing that gets in the way. The thing that gets in the way is people forget that a miracle, you ready? A miracle is a byproduct. It's not the goal. A miracle is a byproduct of your relationship with God. If you know who you are and you know who God is, you have a steady flow and so things can happen for you. If you forget and start thinking about the loaves and fishes, you've interrupted the flow and it can't work. It's okay to want a healing. But you don't need to pray for the healing. Jesus said, God knows what you need before you ask. What you need to pray about is, God, may I get out of the way. God, may I know you. May I see you. May I magnify your presence in my life. And you'll find that the healing happens naturally because you let it happen naturally instead of trying to force something that, well, if you force something, you kind of believe that it's not natural. Otherwise, why would you force it? This is a different idea. It has to do with getting out of the way. So here's the point. We've been working on this prayer stuff for a while. We've been doing this. And I hope you've been taking this into your daily prayer time. If you have, then things have been happening for you. I know they have. I've been talking to some folks who've been working on this prayer stuff. And it's not too late for you to go back and watch the videos. Make some time in your prayer time. Just work on this. Reach out to me. I can help you. There are other people who go to this church. They want to pray with you and help you too. There are ways. But one way or the other. You've been working on this, and as a result, things have happened in your life. And one of the things that happens over everything else is life is asking you, do you mean it? Can you lean into this change? Can you let your eye be single about this? Because look, stuff happens, and some of it is unexpected, and some of it can be unpleasant. You can go back to the way that things were, or you can insist on good. Look at those things that might seem challenging to look at and say, I see for what you really are. I know that God is here. I know that good is here. I know that there is potential to learn and grow because whatever else is going on, God put me here. And I am called to fix this. Remember that. And I swear everything else will work out because for once and for all, you'll be free. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do based on what you've heard can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube where you can watch the videos. Come join us in person. Our street address and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.